Question is, am I working? Is my brain working? Because this is not, this is very unusual. Feels like something else. Feels like we're doing something else. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. You know, I was. Are you? I am. That's I'm, not the word I'm, that's in, it's in my head right now. I, I'm excited. You know, um, I don't know. I think it's time to. Uh, Wake up, you drunk fuck. Yeah. That's what it's time for. I've been, I, I feel like we've been opening the show with this pre babble. And I'm almost always like, oh, I'm so tired. Like, how could I get through another week? But you've got energy. Fine. Except today, it's five o'clock at night instead of nine o'clock in the morning. I'm a morning person. I don't know about you. Lately, yeah. Well, yes, I am a morning person. Typically by seven o'clock, I want to be home. And right. anytime something comes up that I've got to be there, like uh, the deacon's meeting at seven the other night, I don't want to do it. I want no. to go home. I want to be left alone or see my kids, is, you know, and that's it. Yeah. And to bed. So why are we, so what are we doing here? <laughs> we are being grumpy old men. I'm excited to be here at five o'clock. I've always wondered how would the show be at night? I guess we're going to find out. You know, it's, it'll, what'll be great is having Friday morning. Yes. Free. Well, not free because I've already have two conference calls scheduled for work. It's like they smelled that I'm going to be around, you know. I've got to make sure Jeff's number is right up here. All right. So, uh, and we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm I'm Mike R. And I'm Nat X. (laughs) And boy, Boy, do we we have have a show show for you. Today on RMA, Jeff and Bianca D join us to tell their harrowing story of Kratom addiction and redemption. And <laughs> we get fully into October with kids, sports, clubs, church, Cub Scouts, homework, and decorating for the fall season. <laughs> All this and more today on a very special edition. Twilight edition. Of RMA. And hello, you took my intro over. Ha. What the hell? It's because we're doing everything different. <laughs> yes. It's like uh, using your left hand. It feels like somebody else. Up is down, down is up, you know, all of that fun stuff. Um, welcome back. Uh, first, we'd like to welcome all the new people listening here in the USA and around the world. Uh, we love hearing from you, so please, if you like what you hear, write us a review on your favorite listening platform and share it with a friend. Where can they find us, Mike? Apparently, they can find us in New Zealand because yeah. we got an uh, email from somebody in New Zealand who is out walking his dogs while he listens to us and yeah. thinks we're just the greatest thing since sliced fucking bread, which is fantastic. I, I'm definitely guilty of marketing to New Zealand a little bit. Um, I thought, what are some English, when I'm doing my targeting, what's some English-speaking countries <laughs> that might... Uh, it might appreciate what we're doing, and New Zealand's on my New list. New Zealand's so. great, man. I I know it as a land of hobbits and elves and things from uh, Lord yeah. of the Rings, but I assume other things happen there. Yeah, uh, you know, other, there's sheep. There are there are sheep. sheep. Um, no, I mean, I, actually, it's funny because I read that email from a listener. And then I went and I just Googled like New Zealand and I, a picture of Auckland showed up, which I guess is the city in New Zealand. I thought it was Christchurch. I guess Auckland and Christchurch are the big ones. Anyway, it was huge. Yeah. It's a big city. It is. And I, I've met people from there. I have a good friend um, who is from New Zealand. They have a charming accent. I always appreciate a good New Zealish accent. All, all is that a the, word? I don't think so. New Zealish. 
all the tech guys are apparently building, um, what do you call those things? Uh, bunkers there for when the world collapses. They're all going to flee to New Zealand and, and set up camp out in the, yeah. in the hinterlands out there with I, their private armies. So. I have heard that before, that um, all of the future-telling people who say where the safe zones are, you mm. know, they've come up with Christchurch, New Zealand is the safest place when the solar flares hit and mm. wipe out all of the dollar crashes. For some reason... You want to be in New Zealand. I haven't figured out why, but... I don't know. People seem friendly, though. So uh, why don't you all visit us at middleagesrecovery.com to listen to the podcast, to submit your story, to buy our shit, and <laughs> to get in touch with us if you so desire. Great reviews will be read on the air. Uh, please log on to your favorite podcast app. Apple Podcasts is best because the more five-star reviews we get on Apple Podcasts, the higher we climb in the ratings and the... The closer we get to the front page, and once we're on the front page, man, we can do anything. We're climbing up. We're, according to my reporting, number 73, uh, in mental health in the United States even. Yeah. That's terrifying. (laughs) Number 73. It's terrifying that people listen to us for any mental health improvement whatsoever. It's all, uh, you know, entertainment guys. (laughs) Uh, So, so yeah. Yeah. so a five-star app, uh, apps, five-star reviews are appreciated to help massage my delicate ego. Yep. You can take that out now. Are you sure? One, once it was funny. Now <laughs> it's just redundant. Um, I think you still have a delicate ego. I do. The discussion continues 24-7, 365 on our private Facebook group, found conveniently through our public-facing Facebook page. We screen new members. I've <laughs> <laughs> had to do that a little bit lately. Um, somebody's been sending you some really weird messages the oh, last couple yeah. of days. I was going to bring uh, that up. Um, yeah, you can do all the stuff there. Buy the t-shirts. Please buy the t-shirts. Yeah, they're really cool. We've sold we have handsome new designs. Oh, awesome new designs. Sorry, I thought you wrote handsome new designs. You know, you can always write your own copy if you want. <laughs> I could. I'd rather criticize <laughs> you yours. It's more fun. <laughs> it's much easier <laughs> for me. Uh, and always, guys, tell us your story. Yeah. There's like 8 million stories in the Naked City, you know? So the naked city, yeah, we and we uh, we actually have a news story um, that is from anonymous. It was a weird email, so I just I'm not going to read it. Um, so it's tell us your story, anonymous. <laughs> hey, just come across you guys, or just came across. I'm sure they've wanted okay. to know if my story was of interest to you as a podcast interviewee. In short, last year uh, that no one wants to talk about, I walked right. across America whilst British. Hmm. So like. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one. Uh, I was also female, fat, funny, 40-something, and in my fourth year of recovery in AA. Despite myself, I made it. Along the way, I had to rely on all 12 steps to A, stop me from falling victim to the wildlife, B, not fall out with fellow hikers, and C, not fall off mountains. I learned a hell of a lot about fear and fortitude. Uh, obviously, I'd like to plug my book, Everything You Ever Taught Me, uh, which documents the journey. You'd think also that living in the wilderness was a pretty safe place to avoid relapse. I learned that it was not, although I remained sober myself. Hmm. Uh, thank you so much. For Interesting. That. I bet there's more to the story. I don't think there is. I think it's in her book. Uh, oh, Yeah. <laughs> It's probably a really long story. I wish uh, she left a name. So, but uh, the name of the book is "Everything You Ever Taught About Me," and um, I think that's a uh, or "Everything You Ever Taught Me" could an, be another uh, a British person. Um, 
uh, listening to the show. So thank you so much for walking across America whilst British sounds dangerous, (laughs) especially in the South. I mean, I know just driving across this country being, you know, I tan easily and have a beard was a problem. You know, do you get stopped at airports? Uh, I've been stopped. uh, I was in California and uh, I had long hair and more of a beard and I get pretty dark in the summer. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were driving along me and my friend uh, Chris in the band that opens the show uh, and he's very pale, and I was sitting next to him, and a guy gets in the middle of the road with a white glove, holds up his hand in the middle of the highway in uh, near San Diego. Mm. And we're like, what the hell? Slow down, pull over. It's an INS agent. <laughs> and one agent walks over to my side of the car. Another agent walks over to Chris's side of the car. So roll down the window. Mm-hmm. And then the guy looks at me. He's like, hey, man, how you doing? He's like <laughs> smiling at me like I'm going to be like, okay. You know? <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, my name is Nat, you know, <clears throat> from Long Island. Uh, mm, I, you know, I'm from, I'm American. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and it was just like this misunderstanding. I, mean, I, the mis- the, I was profiled. Oh, the racist misunderstanding? Yeah. Um, just a misunderstanding. <laughs> There is question, questionable legality of Border Patrol stopping you inside Literally, the United States and asking you questions. Him. But uh, I remember thinking, what if he didn't see that guy standing in the street? You I, know? Do, I don't think you have to answer them, actually. But then you can you, you should always ask them, am I being t- detained? And listen yeah. to the answer. Because if the answer is not yes, then you can just drive away. Yeah, and then the next thing you know, you're in Guantanamo Bay. You know, you're an American citizen, on right? Top of, theoretically. So, you know. Not with this beard. All right. Anyway, <laughs> enough of the legal, uh, legal, legal, legal advice. Do we have a review? This is not legal advice and should make not be construed as such. Uh, yes, we have a review from Scrappy Scrapperson. Good which name. Which is a great name. Good name. Uh, well worth a listen. I agree. That's the title of the review. Thank you. Add this to your lineup of recovery podcasts. It's well worth it, especially if you too are in midlife. Nat and Mike are relatable, knowledgeable, engaging, and funny. Agreed. I, I especially like the format. Hmm. While they occasionally interview guests, they also cover a wide range of topics, from book reviews to aspects of 12-step programs to what did and what did not work for them. They have a great rapport and offer a lot as it pertains to finding your own path. A unique podcast to complement your current favorites. Oh, thank your wife for writing that for us. <laughs> yes, thank you, honey. No, uh, thanks, Scrappy Scrapperson. Much appreciated. Glad to know that um, some of the things that we say are... I don't know. <laughs> Enjoyed by other people, taken seriously, and uh, yeah, chewed over. It is very cool, and it's um, and we have a great time. It's a little weird right now uh, doing this at night. How do you feel so far? Are you feeling it, or is it a little bit? I don't know. Doing I'm, it at uh, night? I'm watching you drink that horrible coffee from next door, yeah. and it's just not the same, know. is it? Yeah. Well, it's spooky season, and um, I actually I was working <laughs> on the outline last night because I was panicking because we had to do it early and it wasn't done. And I'm sitting there, you know, with my laptop, and I'm working feverishly, and I just started writing, you know, the beginning of the life update, and it turned into a little poetic paragraph. Sounds like the beginning of your Hmm. novel. (laughs) So what I wrote was, I love this time of year. There is a chill in the air, the smell of wet fallen leaves and rain puddles. It is the foreboding chill of winter slowly creeping over us like a shadow, competing with the sunlight for our attention. Autumn always reminds me of the many years I spent at school, be it elementary, high school, or even my two decades of collegiate <laughs> pursuits. Nice. <laughs> there is a promise buried in the smell of pumpkin cookies and apple cider, <laughs> like, a, like a lifetime of reminiscence made real with the first chilly wind that nips 
at my neck. Were you smoking weed last no, night? Was, Are you sure? I, I thought it was funny. Okay. The promise is for a life renewed. Another chance to make things right with a new school year, another holiday season, another opportunity to be that father, son, and husband I always wish I could be. This fall, this time, I will be present. I will be joyful, and I will be sober. I will be there for my family, my friends, the monsters, and there for any kind stranger in need of a word or smile of support. Are you ready? I am. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I don't um, either. I, I, was, I wrote it and I go, that's not bad, but it's also really cheesy. It it's part reminiscence. Like a, it's part manifesto. Yeah. It's part it call to arms. So, I, don't, I don't know how so to. So in a desperate attempt to get content for the beginning of the show, I wrote that. So yes, it's fall. It's Halloween season. It's spooky season. I love the fall. Um, and uh, you always decorate for these things. Ah, uh, yes. I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw some uh, pictures up on the Facebook group. I think what I have is a small yep. graveyard on my front lawn. That's it. Each uh, is there anybody really buried there though? That would be well. I mean. <laughs> Not like human people. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. But I, I have um, each gravestone has its own light and theme, and uh, there's also like a, um, a blow up where I project Halloween images on it. And, Interesting. Uh, yeah, and I got a fog machine, and I got. Um, I, I vaguely remember yeah. the fog machine because we did stop by, I think, last year. Yeah, some of the animatronics are still in the garage, freaking out the dogs. <laughs> I, you know, I put the scarecrow uh, animatronic. In uh, one of the uh, Adirondack chairs we have, and the dogs barked at it for a half hour straight. <laughs> Those right. poor dogs. Because every, and every time they got close to it, it would scream in their faces. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was great. Um, abuse. Yeah, but you know, fall is really weird because it's. I always saw. You know, some people think like spring is a time for renewal, or New Year's is a time for renewal. For me, it was always the fall. Like right. the fall was the time that I embarked on new stuff. So you related to that? I what did I relate wrote to there. it. I, I did. The promise. Uh, there is a promise buried in the smell of pumpkin <laughs> cookies. <laughs> yes, yes, there is. So, for me, the promise was always less pumpkin cookies. Less like, pumpkin. You know, try. I, I would always try and go on. Uh, I would actually always try and like quit drinking in October. Uh, I would always try to quit uh, smoking. Every the fall was always the time. Yeah, for I wonder renewal. why that is. Because even though it's not the new year per se, just growing up, it was the beginning of a new school year. So yeah, maybe that was it. I always was like, it's fall. New stuff is happening, and it's associating all of the smells and and the weather. I was always thwarted by pumpkin uh, beer, though. Pumpkin flavored beer. You didn't like it. I loved it. Oh, you it would, loved it. It would always thwart my my desire for self improvement because uh, you know they put that little cinnamon sugar around the rim. Yeah, you know. Yep. My wife just had one of those. I forget where we were, mm. and uh, yeah, all the sugar and this big pumpkin yeah, beer. And I'm, I've been trying to find an NA pumpkin beer to sort of scratch that itch, but I have not found one yet. If anybody out there knows of one, send me a send me a link to my email. Yeah, we. Um, I, I just remember where I saw those. So on Sunday, we went to our cousins for um, just like a, not a barbecue. We ordered in, we hung out outside, and my cousin did their backyard. You ever see these backyards where they put a TV outside? There's like, it's like a living I have, room. I've heard of such things. It's like a living room outside, hmm. which to me, I don't know. I can't figure out the logistics. Like when it rains, you know, is the TV oh, waterproof? So it's like a permanent thing. It's not like installed. they set up something. Wow. Yeah. Like is legit. there an awning? Yeah, there's an awning. Okay. Does um, the TV like slide down into like a, a brick or something? Didn't you know? appear to do no. that. <laughs> Interesting. I, yeah, I was marveling at it, you know, and we were just hanging out. And of course, though, it was like... <clears throat> 
at these things, of course, everybody's having a drink and it's like totally normal. Um, the only one that's not totally normal is me because I'm the only one. I, so these kinds of drinks. Oh, are now, getting, now, now, now. Yeah. I, I think you've got to flip that script, brother. Oh, you think? Yeah. Maybe you're you're the only normal. normal one. Yeah, right. So everybody's drinking and having a good time. It was really nice to uh, to see those guys. We didn't see them that much this summer. And they've got kids, our kids' age. So it's like, you know, even though they're really our, like, third cousins once removed or something, they're still our our kids are their cousins, and it was great to see them. Um, and, you know, what I do at these parties, because some people listening to this are thinking, like, how could you be at a, you know, at a barbecue or a get-together and actually have fun? You know, how can I relax and just chill out with my seltzer or my ginger ale? And um, I just had to say that it takes just practice. Yeah. I think that's what I'm coming to realize after all this time is that a lot of what I'm doing you know, it's just because I've done it so many times. It's like working out. Right. You know, you, you get the sober muscle. Right. You're not at that place where you're going to go sit there and think, Jesus, this would be so much better if I could yeah. go into the cooler and grab a couple of beers. I right? mean, for the longest time early on in my recovery, I still had in the back of my mind a little jealousy. Mm. And, and I recognized it and I just kind of dismissed it, though. But it was there. Yeah. You know, I would still have that, man, if I could just drink a beer watching this, the Jets lose this week. And um, <laughs> that little voice in my head seems to have completely evaporated. It's, um, it's great. I'm That's still going to keep my guard up, but you know, yes. it's just something I've noticed in the past year or so. So going um, to like barbecues and stuff, fine, right? But like, what about going to a bar? Well, I've been to a bar a few times since I got sober. Me too. And uh, I don't know. What do you do at a bar? Especially one that doesn't have any beer or well, water. Like most, the most, of them, most of them do. Yeah, not I mean, the, the, the brewery in I town. won't go in there. That, yeah. that place is a <laughs> warehouse that smells of, of rotting beer. Yeah. It's not my, you know. Uh, what do I do when I go into a bar with coworkers and whatnot? I just sit there and uh, what I did the first few times I did it was I pretended to drink. I would get the ginger ale in the glass and with the, with the swizzle stick and the, uh, and the uh, lemon peel. Yeah, and people would think I was drinking scotch, and nobody said a thing. Yeah. Um, I haven't been to a bar in a while. I guess COVID just kind of put the yeah. crush on that. But but I'm anticipating more of that. And um, you know, my my plan is to go and spend limited amount of time in a bar because you know, after you, the two or three drinks, the people you're with cease be, being interesting at all. They well, just become drunk, repetitive, and yeah. irritating. And for me, that's like a time to say goodbye. Yeah, I noticed that even at this gathering, and it didn't get ugly or anything, but <clears throat> no, just, as the, the, the night starts out when you're not drinking and they are, and it's fine for a little while, mm-hmm. what happens is they begin to deteriorate with their conversation, gets a little angrier. Right. People get a little more emotional. Mm-hmm. And it if you're not on that level with them, if you're not drinking along, it gets very uncomfortable. Extremely. You I know. do not like people who are like emotional tinderboxes who yeah. if you drink, you don't know what direction they're going to go in. Are they going to get mad at you? Are they going to get like, like to me, I, I just, I would rather avoid the, the whole situation. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't avoid this one. And, no, and I, I get it. And yeah. I loved seeing them and we had a great time. But like one of the side effects you could say of being sober is when uh, <laughs> their little cousin uh, who's Noah's age, I'll call him Larry. It's not his name, but... Um, <laughs> to protect the innocent. Um, and they were kind of like, you know, hey, would it be all right if uh, if Larry slept over tonight? Wow. And, um, and that That's was a big Saturday. ask. 
It was, <laughs> you know, but I was like, you know what? Yeah. And all the adults looked at me like I was nuts, yeah. you know? And I was like, you know what? Like, Noah hasn't hung out with his cousin in a long time. I'm perfectly capable of taking care of this. I, I didn't expect my wife to do anything mm-hmm. special for it. I said, don't worry. I'll take care of it. They're going to have a great time. And I just felt like it was like a superpower that I was able to mm-hmm. do this. Because, yeah, I'm telling you, everybody looked at me like, you're nuts. And especially when they said, all right, well, can you've got to drive them home, though. And I said, fine. And they're in Massapequa Park, which is, Ooh. you know, not fun. Yeah. I said, one condition, he's got to come to church with us because i got got to go to church tomorrow. No, right. he's got to go to church. And they were like, yeah, sure, just take him, please. You know? Right. And so I sort of, you know, watched them, you know, for the sleepover. And they went to bed. It was fine. I mean, he had a good time, you know. Like, my wife went to sleep, and Maxie went to sleep. And um, yeah, they were in bed by, they went to sleep by, like, 1 o'clock, one thirty, And it, it was great. They came to church with me, and, um, you know, their Sunday school class, it was my dad as the teacher. Oh. And so he, of course, knows my father. Right. And, and so it was just a lot of fun. And then we went, and we, um, we had a great day. And uh, decided to, as a family, we went out to one of these Halloween stores. Speaking of... Spirit of Halloween, yeah, one of those places. Speaking of Halloween, yeah. yeah. Um, and that was a lot of fun. And, you know, I would never have volunteered for such a thing. Uh, I wouldn't... I mean, I was still oh, You would have had a crushing hangover. Oh, forget it, know. but I was ready, man. I woke up that next day, even though I was up till one thirty with them, basically. Ugh. I fell asleep at like 10.30 and I came and checked on them, that type of right. thing. But I was fine, you know, and I was happy to do it. He had a great time. And um, I don't, I'm just, you know, just to be able to do stuff like that without right. killing myself. That's your, you're living that best sober life because, you know, if you had been drinking, number one, you wouldn't want to drive, you know, yeah. you would have had to drive. Somebody would have had to drive. Right, right. right. You know, and that to me, like, I, re- I regret so many of those incidences where I got in the car and drove when I probably should not have been driving. Yeah. Um, but thank God, you know, nothing ever happened, but you know, you mentioned church. So, um, you know, this is also in addition to pumpkin cookie season, it's also the beginning of religious education in the Catholic world. Yeah. You told me that you said it's religious season or something. And I was like, what are you talking about? But (laughs) in the Catholic church, this CCD, right. Right. So, um, so, you know, I've had this long sort of negotiation going on with the, with the priest in our local parish about getting the, you know, I got the kids baptized at the beginning of 2021. Yeah, with vague promises of of increased church attendance and, <laughs> and participation in uh, Catholic education, so the education thing is easy because I just have to you know get them to it and then they do it right. right. And I don't not involved church. We did okay for a little while and then I started you know the summertime. It's oh. hard to go. So I didn't know. even go in the summer yeah. really. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just it's the summer. Right, Nobody the shows summer, up at right. church. There's no Sunday school. So, but then I I you know so church. Uh, religious education started up this past week, you know, and I'm not, you know, we're not a big religious family, right? I mean, I'm. A, you were dodging Father Tom or whomever. I was. I've been dodging We've Father Tom about for this years. And you uh, go running, you see him, and yes. you immediately launch into a bush. Right. Well, <laughs> the weird thing the other week, I was out running uh, in the dark on Sunday morning. It was probably like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. I get up very early. Jeez. And uh, I see this guy like walking in the opposite direction on this, you know, the dark path that goes between our two ta- the two towns, you know what I'm talking right, about. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this guy pops out and I, and it's, it's father Tom. I'm 90% sure it's him. And he just gives me a cheery hello and keeps walking. And I'm like, number one, he either doesn't know who I am or two, <laughs> that's not father Tom. And he's just some whack job walking around <laughs> in the dark. But, 
So anyway, uh, I, I take back Ben back to his first class, which is a mass in the church. Okay, that's what the class is. It kicks off with a. Okay. It's this is our kickoff mass. We're yeah. going to start off by <laughs> worshiping Jesus together, right? Yeah, right. So, um, so Ben come. I pick Ben up after the mass, and the parents t- didn't stay. It was a drop off. Right. And Ben's like, I got to tell you something. He goes. That Jesus bread, I give it a 9.5 out of 10. And I'm like, what are you talking about? good Jesus bread. He's like, you know, the wafer they give you. And I'm like, you were not supposed to do that. (laughs) (laughs) You actually haven't gone through the hocus pocus to allow you to go up there and do that. And he's like... "Um, Yeah, that's that's evil. (laughs) It's evil. I mean, it's just... Eating the host. Right. He's like, you know... He's like, uh, the, I took a 0.5 off for texture. It's very tastes very much like cardboard. And I'm like, yeah, that's we've been saying that for, you know, generations of Catholics have had that similar uh, complaint. Yeah. Uh, but he, you know, but then he was like, but the taste was good and it was salted perfectly. I'm like, I don't know if that's what you're supposed to get out of that, but okay. He you didn't know? get like he didn't feel absolution or something. Nor did, uh, but on the flip side, nor did the gates of hell open up and swallow him whole. For, t- for yeah, so you know. That's funny you should mention this because our nephew is is goes to Catholic churches and once a month in in our church we do communion. It's not like um it's not do it every, every week. week. No, huh. Just once a month. And um when we do it, it's we use bread and grape juice. Like you rip the bread into pieces? Rip the bread yeah, into like pieces. Yeah, like the uh the um Eastern Orthodox, right? They do it that way. Yeah, we always uh, and uh, and so I said to him because when we do have communion, the kids have a choice. They can go up mm-hmm. if they've you know if they feel like the way we do it in our church is anybody can take communion, but to be respectful, we ask that only if you're like a believer, yeah, to right. take it. But you don't have to go through anything special to right. take communion. Mm-hmm. We believe everybody is should have access to that if they want it. But with the kids, we're like we like to say, I don't want them to take it until they understand what it is, and then okay. make a choice. So some kids take wow. it, some kids that's don't. The antithesis of what goes on in the Catholic Church. Yeah, I mean that's that's how we pretty much do it. So when we feel like the child knows what it is and right. can respect it, then okay, you can do that. And so he was like, "Oh, you have communion," and I said, "Yeah, man, but like you don't have to take communion. Like I don't want you to feel uncomfortable because some people it's a different church. I'm like whatever." But he did it, you know, anyway, and he was saying that same thing. He's mm. like, wow, it was a really good communion bread, you know? <laughs> Ours <laughs> tastes like cardboard. <laughs> I'm like... Uh, I, I remember, you know, when I was uh, probably 12 or 13, you know, when they, they introduced the wine into the uh, into the Catholic Church. You know, it used to be you'd, all, you'd only go up and get the, the bread. Right. But then they started giving out wine. And, you know, as an adolescent, I was all over that shit. You know, <laughs> communion even, wine. Yeah, communion wine. <laughs> when, you, when I think about it now, it was so disgusting because you'd have like hundreds of people taking a sip out of the same cup of wine. It's like... Yeah. It was, we have little cups. So we put the grape juice. And because uh, Presbyterians are teetotalers, we, they don't really drink. Hmm. Um, so there's no... It's grape juice. So the kids can have these little cups and it's... I like that. Juice. Yeah. That's better than trying to catch a buzz off a cup that 95 people have already put their lips on. Um, speaking of... And I, we're going doing a lot on uh, church right now. Yes. But this <laughs> is actually pertinent to that. recovery. More than once when I've been in outpatient set situations or groups, there's uh, there's usually... Some guy who's, quote-unquote, very religious in mm-hmm. his church where they have wine for communion, 
And every time they would drink the wine or they would blame communion on ah, that, that they pissed right, dirty. Right. And that's just awesome. And, but, but the counselors were always like, dude, one sip of communion wine would not give you this level of alcohol <laughs> intoxication. Like, you know, so that's actually been in a, a debate, even in the AA groups that I've been in. It's, it's, I've heard it come up. Like, do you take the communion wine or not? No, <laughs> but, but if because if you believe it, it's the, the, there's something called transubstantiation, right. where in the Catholic Church, what that means is that they actually are uh, turning that bread and wine into the blood of Christ, the actual blood. Because so therefore, it is no longer wine. Well, maybe it was the blood of Christ after he did a three day bender. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, monsters out there, if, if you've come across this, if you're Catholic and you and you have wine at communion, if you're sober or trying to be, do you still take that communion wine? That is my question. I mean, I took plenty of communion wine, but usually it was because I was sneaking into the sacristy and stealing it. But now that you're <laughs> sober, would you sip a communion? No, but I, but but you know why I wouldn't? Because I find the idea of sipping from that cup revolting. It is revolting. Yeah. I, so I, it's I, not I because it of the... Plus, you know, for sobriety reasons, there's no requirement that you drink the wine. You can just do the bread. It's, it's all good. And you still get saved? You so still get speak? credit. Yeah? Yeah. That's good to know. Right. I don't know how we got off on that one. I don't either, but you know, I'm sorry, guys out there. Should I read? Because we have like, a lot of atheists who yeah. <laughs> listen to us, and we're like, ah, yeah, if you hate all they the probably church turned stuff. it off like five minutes ago. The only reason we talk about this stuff is what's happening in our lives. Um, should I read the spooky season um, poem again, or should we move on? <laughs> I think no? we can move on. Okay. Um, moving right along. Moving right along. Oh, my um, iPhone crashed. This is perfect segue. Um, for one thing, I'm reading a book that was recommended to me by you. Right. Called Dopamine Nation by yes. Dr. Anna Lemke. Yes. Great book. We're um, going to review it in a future show. We're going to do a couple episodes, I think. Yeah, we are. It's so good. <laughs> and it touches on so many uh, different, uh, just it touches on a lot of different um, aspects of recovery, even if you're not you know, uh, in recovery from drugs and alcohol, there's a lot in there. It's all about the dopamine hit yeah. that we get in different ways and how, and how it affects basically our physical and mental health. Um, but like it, it really all came, came together for me with this book and my iPhone completely crashed to the point where it was totally frozen I couldn't even restart. Like, I know how to restart phones and reboot. It was not rebooting. It was completely frozen. And I was panicking like crazy. And um, when I finally realized what it was doing to me, I began to snap at my children. I began to panic. I was you were like, on a low dopamine cycle. Man. You couldn't get your little your little drug hit yeah. from your phone. And um, I couldn't listen to my uh, audio books. And, um, you know, interestingly, though, uh, and it made me really look at myself. And finally, I said, you know what? It'll fix itself. And I didn't use it all night long. The next morning, it, it was fine. There wow. must have been an update. or the magical was, thinking actually works. <laughs> It'll be fine in the morning. I just said, you know what? I'll never deal with it. Because there was nothing I could do about it at that moment. Uh, I tried everything. I removed the uh, special SIM card just to see if it would reboot mm. it. Nothing. Um, and also, because well, in the book, she talks about being addicted to audiobooks. Yes. Um, and I'm addicted type. to audiobooks. Yeah. And all of the things she was describing about how she couldn't go like a minute, or maybe this is one of her patients, she, she was relaying the story, where 
they they're always listening to a podcast or a book right and because of it they're not being present with their child mm -hmm. they're not and i do that same shit right and i am all the time that's how i listen to and like so many books because i'm always listening i can't even go to the bathroom without popping in my earbud and listening to something what i noticed um just from listening to some of these true crime podcasts because she mentioned in the book like it's like it's you get to a certain point of in the action, yeah. and then it's like there's a big letdown after that, and you, you almost like you don't even want to finish the rest of it. Yeah, and I noticed I've the, done that when I listen to some of these true crime podcasts, when you get to the murder or the conviction or whatever, and then you just I'm kind of like eh, whatever, I'm done. Yeah, you know, it's it's like a, a weird long mini orgasm or something in your brain. It's so it strange. Is. I'm and I'm experiencing that right now with Infinite Jest, uh, which is this really long book that. Um, is really interesting and I love it. It's a thousand pages type of thing or 56 hours and I'm doing both. I'm reading it when I can and I'm also listening to it hmm. while I listen to po other podcasts and another book. So this is how much I'm saturating my mind. You're and just bathing in dopamine. It, it's just like, <laughs> and so this book, Dopamine Nation, is all about how we're overstimulated, about how, um, there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. So we're going to do a show on it. We um, are. But, but yeah. Related to that, what do you think about when Facebook went down and Instagram went down for like a whole day this week? I was completely off off my game. I couldn't, uh, yeah, you know, I, I would reach for it, I'd open it, I'd look, I'd stare at it, and then I started thinking, man, I'm spending way too much, investing way too much time in this. Yeah, you know? and uh, I started thinking, you know, maybe this was my addiction whack-a-mole going on here. <laughs> you know, like was, I've, I've I've sublimated and I, and I've gone to dopamine hits from from social media instead of uh, yeah. you know, sitting in the bar. But it's really interesting, kind of stepping back and looking at addiction from the from the angle of dopamine. Right. I mean, and then you can apply it to anything, like running. She was saying like long-distance mm -hmm. athletes, they report that same kind of... Yep. I definitely have that. Where you don't get that high anymore. It's just like with the mm. drugs. And like you had to keep going. Yeah, when uh, a lot of addicts will report, you know, there was a point in time where it just stopped working. No matter how much I did... Or didn't do. I was always feeling like shit, and I well, never got that feeling. There's so many uh, uh, ultra runners and so on, you know, that that are ex addicts and alcoholics, and I think that a lot of that's because they're uh, wringing the last drops of dopamine out of your brain. And if you can't get it by running three miles, you're going to go five miles, and if you can't get it by five, you're going to do ten and right. marathons and fifties and one hundreds, and all of a sudden you're Man. spending like ninety percent of your time running. Yeah, <laughs> which it's true. I don't um, know, you know, it's. So maybe we can look at addiction from this holistic approach where, you know, we're looking at your body chemicals, you know, reaction to substances mm -hmm. and, and the dopamine. So really interesting book. I was worried the book would be a little reductive and just be sort of like, you know, uh, biological, but she kind of folds in a whole bunch of other stuff. She, she uh, really does. You know, but I don't want, you know, that's another episode. We'll, we'll get on. We're going to we'll get, get on, on it. That, um, we have a we have to do something Speaks. else, don't we? Oh, yeah. Well, Monkster Speaks. Shit. Let's do that before we call Jeff. Right. Okay. So, so New segment. Monkster's Speak. 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 Yeah, I got to get a thing for that. You could do. Why don't you sing a little ditty? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a little Monster thing. Monster Speaks. <laughs> oh, maybe we could do the Monsters theme. Yes. Yeah. Right? Will we get sued? I don't know. Eddie Munster. I use um, not around the Agent anymore. 99, the Get Smart for Aaron yep. Moore, and I have not gotten a cease and desist letter right. yet on that. So I'll just keep pushing it until they shut us down. Yeah, it's a good idea. So 
Monksters speak. Okay. So I I put this post up in the private Facebook group because I read a post on another Facebook group. I was going to have them remain nameless, but I'm going to name them. They were the Wharf Rats, which are the the Grateful Dead group of sober deadheads. Uh, They gather around the yellow balloons at the back of Grateful Dead shows. They're sort of a... They're... They claim they're not a 12-step group, but they really are mostly all in <laughs> AA. So, whatever. I mean, it's great. It, it, they provide a safe space for people at shows, and it's, it's wonderful. But I find uh, the Facebook groups can get a little pedantic and a little um, scoldy and so mm. on. But So, I was reading. So, okay. I, I, I'll read the post that I put up in our private Facebook group, and that'll give you a sense of, of what happened. So, um, I, okay. So, I occasionally stalk other recovery Facebook pages to see what sort of experience, strength, and hope are being put forth by others operating in this sphere, and I came across something today that I'd like your thoughts on. Yesterday, a woman in this particular group posted a picture of herself holding a syringe, because she's a nurse, and commented that she had eight months today off heroin, and isn't it ironic that she's using a syringe in the most appropriate in a more appropriate manner these days? The admin on the site pulled the picture down, uh, and a stream of comments took her to task for publishing a quote, triggering photo. She got upset and the usual gaslighting and passive-aggressive Facebook brouhaha ensued. Now, maybe it's just because I'm a Gen X asshole, but I was appalled at the way the poster was castigated over what was an awesome accomplishment because some of these, quote, recovered folks apparently can't see a needle without running down the street and scoring a bag. Jeez, am I being a little, a little harsh? Maybe I am. <laughs> what kind of recovery is that? Do they not leave the house ever? There are alcohol ads every 20 feet everywhere. Um, and then I, so I threw it open to our Facebook group and said, what do you guys think about this? Right. right? So on the private Facebook group uh, for Recovery in the Middle Ages, you know, we've got our monsters hanging out. This is where we do all of our recovery stuff as a group. And, yes. uh, and so this was posted there. And uh, I got a few responses, thoughtful responses that were kind of, you know, ran, ran the gamut. Most people, I, I would have to say, agreed with me, which is kind of why you post something in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. You're not, are you really looking for debate when you post something or are you looking for affirmation? Depends. Yeah. I think for the most part. Sometimes I post things deliberately to get people to talk about it. Yeah. That's just as a facilitator. I'm just trying to get our monsters talking. But a lot of people just want validation. Right. right? I just have a giant ego and I want people to like me. Get that Um, dopamine hit for every like. So someone wrote, um, this was. Jennifer wrote, I am not triggered by ads or pictures of beer or other alcohol. I would characterize it as more irritated that is literally everywhere and romanticized the way it is. Having never been an IV drug user, but have a loved one who was, the sight of needles, references to heroin, police sirens, unknown callers, all these things trigger anxiety in me. Do I expect the world to tiptoe around my issues? No. I also don't agree with attacking people online from the safety and comfort of your keyboard and your phone. Unless you live in a bubble, you're going to come across things that trigger you. The key is to figure out how best to deal with that without attacking other people. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I was confused by the original post because when you said like, hey, this person, I'm like, what? I don't understand. But they're worried that it's triggering someone. So a woman posts a picture of herself holding a hypodermic. Yeah. She's a nurse. I have eight months today. Look at me not using this needle on myself. And the admin took the post down and she, so she posted again and she said, why did you take that down? And everyone was like, well, you, you were triggering people with a picture of the needle. And we should ask Jeff, he's a moderator in our group. Would he remove such a post? I wonder. Hmm. Cause we, there's a lot of people that post non-alcoholic beers. Yeah. And I don't don't have an issue with that. We're pretty loose with that stuff. So we had a couple other comments, uh, 
Corey says, people need to get a grip. If I was triggered by anything alcohol related, I would have to live on a desert island. True. True. <laughs> um, and then somebody said, I am triggered by people in situations. Something that might trigger me might not bother anyone else. I'm stronger by increments for not acting on every booze ad out there. We can't stay in the house and hide away from people, things that might set us off. So was the syringe appropriate? You'll find many opinions indeed. Uh, and I didn't write down that person's name, unfortunately. But mm. uh, So, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I, I think I understand why the Wharf Rats might be, because they may have, and we do this in AA groups. There's a group conscience. Some AA groups or 12-step mm. groups um, don't want people talking about drugs. They're saying, this is about alcohol. Our group conscience, it was agreed upon at the business meeting or whatever. Right. And so they really don't want people talking about drugs for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So those members are uncomfortable with it. So it's possible, and I'm guessing that the Wharf Rats, maybe their group conscience is to be extremely sensitive to triggering people. Yeah, maybe so. So in that case, you know, I get it. But um, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I just thought it was a little little over the top. To, it is. Uh, but, you know, um, yell at the person who has eight months sobriety. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I don't know. More like congratulations. Yeah. But, you know, hey. If, if there was some of that. If I mean, you want to post pictures of holding a syringe and celebrating your anniversary, <laughs> do it on our group because uh, Grant. I was going to reach out to her and say, you know, if you want some yeah. less judgmental people, you could come over right. and spend some time with our, us. But. Our moderators, Aaron, Jeff, and Grant will, uh, I'm sure, make a decision. Um, so that was the monsters speaking. There were a couple other comments, but we're a little. We find ourselves pressed for time. You know, Jeff is and Bianca are waiting for us. Uh, and so, do you want to call them, or do you want to use the bathroom, or? Uh, I don't have to use the bathroom. Surprisingly, do you? Um, yeah, I'm going to use the bathroom real quick. When you while you use the bathroom, yeah. should I talk a little bit about kratom? Uh, yes. Okay. Enjoy. Okay. Careful, you're tangled in the wire. (laughs) So we have, uh, on this show, have talked about Kratom in the past, but, um, you know, now the the issue is sort of struck close to home in that uh, our own uh, uh, Jeff, um, who has designed uh, some of our t-shirts for us, had uh, some struggles with with Kratom that he's going to share with us. So I don't know if anybody knows what Kratom is, um, who's not really... um, struggle with opiates. I mean, Kratom is a, it's a tropical tree, uh, which is native to Southeast Asia and its leaves contain compounds that have psychotropic, uh, effects. Uh, it's not illegal. Uh, you can order it on the internet. You can go down to the gas station and buy it. Um, it's a powder. Sometimes it's sold as a powder. Sometimes it's sold as an extract, uh, labeled not for human consumption. So that should tell you something. Um, most people take it as a pill, a capsule, uh, an extract. You can put it in your coffee. You can chew the leaves. Um, and its effect is similar to both opioids and stimulants. Uh, in small doses, it's a stimulant. In larger doses, it mimics um, an opioid. Uh, there's two compounds in kratom leaves, uh, metragenine and 7A hydroxymetragenine. They interact with opioid receptors in the brain. They produce sedation, pleasure, decreased pain, uh, especially when you consume large amounts. Um, a lot of people take it who have struggled with opioids and they use it to get off opioids. I think that was part, was that of, your, part of your journey with Kratom? Sort of. Okay. I sort of started supplementing with it when I began to come off of my 
uh, psych meds. Oh, interesting. Uh, that, that's about when I, I started to try it, and it really closed the gap a little bit. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, I don't know how much you talked about Ellison Bathroom, but... Um, I just went over the what it is and what it, it does. It's interesting. To... Kratom is a really unique compound. Um, actually, maybe it's not a compound. It's just a plant. It's a plant. Um, mashed up. You can, if you take a little bit, like what I do is less than a gram. It's a little extract. And it provides like a little awake feeling. It's like a five-hour energy, except, I don't know, it seems better somehow. But if you take Kratom in the amounts of like six to 12 grams a day, Ugh. which are the equivalent of like a tablespoon uh, of the powder in like tea or something would be like, like four to six grams or something. So at those levels, it does do a completely different thing. Now it makes you uh, feel slightly sedated. I mean, as you probably read, it does, uh, it's not an opiate, but it interacts with mm -hmm. one of the receptors. So you can get like this mild opiate style relief out of it at really high doses. Uh, the problem starts to happen is when you're doing that much of it, you can have withdrawal symptoms that are a lot like opiate mm -hmm. withdrawals. And so Bianca, uh, Jeff's wife, is going to tell us a little bit about her experience. And she really wants to get the word out because when she was going through this withdrawal, which was very recently, she couldn't find any resources um, about Kratom withdrawal, how to get through it, any mm. of that stuff. And she thought she really wants to, uh, to communicate to everybody what happened to her and, um, and hopefully you know, have some good information. Well, it's, it's really interesting because when I was doing some research for, for today's show... I listened to a podcast by this guy named Ben Greenfield, who is really big in the in the fitness space. You know, he's mm. like the world's most popular personal trainer. He's got like Joe Rogan level downloads on his podcast and stuff. And he uses Kratom. Mm -hmm. And there's this whole, apparently there's this whole subset of high level athletes and bodybuilders that use it for everything from improving focus to apparently it is very good uh, at, at resolving or or treating chronic pain yep. so all these yep. bodybuilders whose hips and shoulders and everything are all screwed up have been taking kratom so yeah. it's, it's and and the podcast i listened to this morning really didn't talk much at all about the potential for addiction or the potential yeah. for most any of the negative don't. stuff it's on most it. most people i've the research i've done people i've spoken to it seems to me to be extremely rare for someone to be doing hmm. enough for long enough because it's very hard to do a lot of this stuff. Um, the thing with Kratom is there's a low ceiling as far as how high, quote unquote, you can get. Um, what basically happens is you take too much Kratom, right. you know, you don't OD and you don't get too high. You just throw up. So once you get to the point of feeling like you're on like melatonin or something and you take too much, you throw up. But so here's a low ceiling. Here, here's the problem, though. I mean, there's these guys are taking this stuff like basically like they're supplements, mm -hmm. like and which is fine, except uh, it's not regulated. Um, well, you know, none of those supplements are regulated. Creatine and all of that shit. True. Protein but, uh, shakes. The, but, but the kratom, which is basically a leaf that's shipped over from some shady places in Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. It's not like made in a, in a laboratory somewhere. Yeah, um, quality control is, is tricky. You it's a big issue. Right and to... and some, some, some of the shipments have been found to have been tainted with fentanyl. So I've heard that. I'm like, how come I never got one? But no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, but we should actually give, yeah, Jeff let, a call. Let's, let's give him a call. He's expecting us. Um, yes, yes, and yes. here we go. All right. Let's call Jeffy. Are you hook up the board? I am. 
Oh, yes, you are. Imagine he doesn't pick up. Hello? It's Jeff. Hey, Jeff. What's going on? How's it going? <laughs> oh, great, man. Jeff is a moderator on our private discussion group on Facebook and is responsible for making and designing all RMA merch. Recently married Bianca, his partner of, I think, eight years, they said. Uh, recently reached out to us. Uh, to share his wife and and him had a Wait, what he and his wife oh. <laughs> just went through a really harrowing experience with kratom, and um, today we've got Jeff and Bianca on the show to talk about it. How's it going, Jeff? Great. So so great to have you on the show. It's a little this is a little weird for us. We're a little, doing it at night, you know. But uh, yeah, we really wanted the to PM get PM edition. Yeah, <laughs> sort of like after uh, hours, like RMA nights. You know, like when Baby <laughs> yeah. did the nights thing. Or, <laughs> so this is RMA nights. Is uh, is Bianca there? Did you guys figure out the um, the phone? Situation? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to connect her to. Uh, we're, I know we're going to call each other from uh, the same house. Awesome. <laughs> Super. <laughs> All right, let's try this. All right. Okay, I've got I've got Bianca here now. Hello. Hi. Hey. It's so good to talk to you again, Bianca. I know. And Jeff, ladies and gentlemen. Um. So <laughs> it's good to talk to you. I got a chance to talk to these guys a little bit last week. Um, and this is something that hits close to home for me because as everybody knows, I take Kratom in the morning as part of my routine. Um, and I have heard these stories about people really getting into trouble with it. Um, and Bianca, and I think Jeff said that he had tried it too, but didn't have the same withdrawal that you did. Um, yeah, yeah, I did. So t tell us about how it all started with, with, uh, taking Kratom. Let's maybe we start there. Okay. Um, well, I, uh, I had gone into treatment, um, back in 2011, um, in Wilmington, North Carolina. And, um, I was, when I got out of treatment, I entered a sober house and cause I, I, I was really scared about, you know, going back to my home in Myrtle Beach and, you know, my friends and all that stuff, you know, and getting back into it again. Right. So, um, I was in a sober house for about a month and, um, one night we all decided there was a group of us that, you know, I went to treatment with of guys and girls and, um, we were all like pretty close, you know, we spent that whole entire month together in treatment and um, we were living in the sober houses now. So we decided to go out one night in uh, Wilmington and go to this Kava uh, Kratom bar. Oh, it's and so I awesome. <laughs> I had no clue what it yeah. was, but I was excited to go out, you know, to get dressed up and, you know, feel like I was actually like, you know, doing something and having fun for once. It's and, like a sober bar. Um, <laughs> do, yeah. we, do we, we don't have kava bars up here, do we? I think in like Brooklyn they have, it's very hip. I, yeah. Very hip. I hear it's, yeah, it's big in I, down South though. I heard. <laughs> so, so we, uh, we went out that night and, you know, we got there and it was like really cool inside and it was like really chill. And, uh, they had like, my kind of music 
you know, going and and there's palm trees inside and it was just really awesome. And um I sat up at the bar and like there was like actually like bartenders in there and but they were serving kava, like hot kava, you know, you could drink at the bar. Does that, and so do, does that I give had you a high? Kava. I'm sorry. Does this uh, kava, no. like, what does that do? I've never tried uh, that. The, the kava was just a tea. And, like, I mean, I I never got a high from the kava. Mm. Um, but it was just a tea that kind of relaxes you. And, um, you know, it's, it's just supposed to relax you. And uh, Yeah, I think you can buy kava, like, I think you can even get it like CVS, yeah, like yeah. Those, you know, little places like like in the uh, like yeah. you know the natural supplement yeah, section. Yeah, that's interesting. But like I, just I, to help relax you a little bit. I've heard these kava bars are are you know they 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 try and create like an atmosphere, like they serve the stuff to you like a coconut shell or something, and it's like this whole um, exactly yeah. very cool. <laughs> um. <laughs> it was, it was, it wasn't a coconut shell, and. Um, you know, some of the guys that were in the guys' sober house, they were there, and um, they obviously knew what Kratom was, and they, they started buying it um, behind, you know, it was behind the bar, and they were buying it by the grams, you know, and, and I'm like, what is this stuff, you know? Mm. And, um, and it was just this powder, and they were pouring it into the kava, and, you know, stirring it in and mixing it in, so I wanted to try some. So one of my guy friends, you know, let me try some. And um, I drank it, and I was like, man, this tastes like crap. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty gross. It, it was like mud. It was like dirt. It tasted like dirt. Like I had it in my teeth, you know. And But I was, I was sitting there, and, you know, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes later, we're just you know, chatting away and having a good time. And I'm like, man, I really feel this. Mm. Like this is like, uh, like I, I, I feel, and I don't know if I felt really high, but I felt different. Mm. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it. People report a but, sense of, a sense of well being. I've heard people say that. Yeah. Just kind of like yeah. things feel okay when maybe they did yeah. this moment ago. So how how much how much did you take on that first occasion? Um, it was probably, gosh, it wasn't that much. It really wasn't that much. I'm not even sure how much it was, but it really wasn't that much. Mm. Um, I don't know. I would say like, I don't know. A couple. They had these little teaspoons. Mm. It was probably know, a couple like of grams. Yeah, a couple grams probably, and um, I felt really good. And like after that night, like I we left, and you know the the guys, some of the guys had bought some um, to take like for the road, you know, <laughs> to, to, take, to take with them. <laughs> and, and I was kind of jealous because I was like, you know, I, I just got out of treatment. I was so broke and like, I just, I, I, I couldn't afford that stuff. So, um, but I really liked the way that it made me feel. And, um, I never went back to the bar. Um, but I also did get kicked out of my, 
my my sober house because one night I went out and did coke and got you did coke loaded. while you were at a sober house. My goodness. <laughs> Horror. Yeah, it's probably the kratom's fault, oh. though, right? I mean, it was because yeah, you did yeah. the kratom. <laughs> then you know, but <laughs> all right. So you got kicked out, and and then where did you so go? I got kicked out, and I had to spend the night one night in a hotel until you know my family flew me back to Ohio. To you know, my whole family's here in Ohio, so um, they flew me back here to you know get into more treatment and um i mean i was a mess but um you know i totally forgot about kratom and stuff um until a few years later um jeff and i you know had met and we were both in recovery and we had you know a, a good amount of time behind us clean time um, we're going to meetings and oh, so you're a recovery so, couple. You're like literally a rehab yeah. romance. We are definitely a recovery couple. Yeah, oh, wow. we, we are. I didn't realize we met that. in the meeting. <laughs> we, yeah, we we met in a meeting. That's crazy. Actually. That's so interesting. <laughs> and here you are, so, married. It's amazing. So, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Look at it's, that. I, I Dreams love come true. <laughs> it can happen, guys. Yeah, <laughs> it shouldn't, but it can. Be careful out there, but it can <laughs> happen. <laughs> but we had at one point we decided to start up this vape business. You know, we decided to get in the vape industry um, and decided to start making like the juice for the vape. You know, the flavors and and. Um, and we had a lot of fun with it, and um, and you, we sold a lot around Columbus, and we were, you know, in some businesses and stuff. And um, we would have like vendors and stuff call us all the time. Um, That's so you know, cool. One, you, you, a, a, you did a vape when when you get when Jeff told me that uh, he's like, oh yeah, I had my own like vape juice company. Like, I thought that was yeah. the coolest thing. I'm like, oh man, what doesn't this guy do? Mm. <laughs> I know, exactly. He's he's constantly doing something. I've yeah. tried a lot of things. <laughs> a lot of business ideas. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> so, so you've got so, a vape empire going, and then what? Yes. So we were doing well, and we had a vendor call us one day called Jeff, and I just happened to overhear. Um, it was a kratom vendor, and you know they wanted to get on our website to sell their kratom. And, and like, I had this like moment where it was like a light bulb flash, like, oh my gosh, Kratom, my God, I totally forgotten about this stuff. And, um, I told Jeff, I'm like, I know what that is. It's like, yes, like, let's get the samples. Let them send us the samples and, um, you know, we'll, we'll check it out. So they sent us the samples and for, for some reason, ended up just throwing the samples. There's a lot. There was a lot of capsules um, that they sent us, um, and we put it in a box, and we just kind of forgot about it. And uh, one day, I was I was cleaning the house, and I came across the box uh -oh. with the creative with the creative <laughs> capsules. Yeah, <laughs> and I um, I was like, man, I, I want to try these, you know, and. So I, I put a few in my mouth and, you know, cleaning, you know, cleaning the house. And I'm like, I started feeling real good. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> and and I was like, man, I totally forgot about this feeling. Like, I really like the way this makes me feel. And um, so I continued to, I ended up taking everything, all the samples that we got. I never told Jeff because I was kind of embarrassed. Mm. And um, once they were gone, I started searching out shops in the Columbus area where I could actually find it. Behind Jeff's and, back. Yeah. So that is Meanwhile, a major... Meanwhile, I think there's still samples sitting in a box. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's an yeah. indicator I actually that you... did come across those samples eventually. And, uh-huh. I, and, you know, I was sitting there. I, you know, found them in the box. They were still in the box. You know, the, the empty bottles. But, you know, I remember grabbing them and going, huh. Where, wasn't there stuff in these? <laughs> Where did it all go? And I'm asking her about it. And she's, like, giving me that look. Like, like, well, I don't know. I, I sampled them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, you sampled them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so I ended up finding a shop that I started going to and I, um, you know, that's when it really started becoming a habit. And uh, I started going to the shop regularly and buying the powder. Right. And that's where it gets um, stronger because you can yes. up those. But let me just ask yes. you quickly. Um, now, both coming from a recovery background, you met in, in the rooms. And I wonder, mm-hmm. like, Jeff, what were you thinking about this? Like, as you're starting to watch this happen... Are you like a okay. little nervous or are you like, oh, um, it's fine? Well, I did a little bit of research on Kratom when we first got the samples because I wasn't sure about even putting them up on our website at the time. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I want to research before I even want to, you know, attempt to even, you know, put something like this up without, you know, knowing what it really is. You know, I wanted to do some research. I did, did you know, plenty of research, but again, with my research, I didn't find anything real negative about it at all. Mm. everything was all positive and you know i didn't i saw it as harmless i really did i saw it as you know this is the same as taking an herbal tea of any kind and and you know okay well this is it lifts your mood and and it gives you a little bit of an energy boost and i was like well this is like an energy drink that's how i compared it you know this is like an energy drink Mm -hmm. it's perfect and i don't drink coffee so i thought even for someone like me this could be my coffee in the morning. Right. It's like yeah. the anti-coffee coffee. So, so yeah, I'm sitting there thinking like, you know, this is harmless. It's legal. It's got to be okay. It's, it's a, it's a tree leaf. It's not, and, you know, and then everyone talks about how it's related to the coffee plant. Right. Right. So it's very similar to the coffee plant. So how can this be bad? So I never thought, you know, it barely even crossed my mind at all that it would be addictive or, or anything that's harmful to your body at all. Right. Yeah. And once you started with the powder, Bianca, did you start mm-hmm. to, because w- just so th- those of you out there who don't, haven't used Kratom, it comes in different forms like we discussed. You get those little gel caps that can be like yeah. a gram or something. But when you start uh-huh. getting the powder, you can dose yourself. Mm-hmm. So you can take a t- teaspoon and you can say, oh, let's do another teaspoon. And you can crank exactly. up the dose mm. so easily. So like, did you start noticing right away that you needed to add more or that you wanted to add more? Uh, yes. Yes, definitely. Um, I would notice, you know, even when like my mood kind of drop off or the energy would kind of run out, I would be like, I need more. 
And so, you know, I would add a little bit more, you know, just swish it back and swallow it, you know, drink some more and, um, and like it, it wasn't like a huge problem in the beginning. Um, I mean, it kind of was, I was kind of a little concerned, but it wasn't really until like years later that I knew that I was addicted to it. And, uh, I, um, that I was having a problem with it because I was taking it way too much. Mm. Um, and it's expensive was, and gross. Oh, yeah. you know, it's so, it's so expensive. See, at this point, I was even starting to kind of notice, like, you know, she's, she's taking it on a daily basis. Um, sometimes I would see her take it, you know, twice a day. And of course, you know, at this point, I'm still in the mind frame of this is harmless. And, you know, Bianca's gone through, um, you know, some medical things that, you know, caused her to have low energy. So, um, I understood that she was, okay, she's taking this to mm-hmm. kind of boost her energy levels up so she feels, you know, back to normal. And I remember, you know, at this same time period, I'm starting to kind of, you know, I got, it's got my mind spinning. Like, well, maybe I could take this in the morning on my way to work and I'd have a better day at work. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started actually started taking it with her in the mornings at least. Well, you know, two like, well, of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So in the mornings I was taking it, but see mine, I only took it for maybe a few months and I kind of, I remember at the tail end of it, I just started thinking this isn't doing much for me. At least it's not enough for me to want to keep taking this. And plus, the flavor was just so unbearable for me. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> You know, you tried mixing it with chocolate milk. Orange I tried juice. mixing it with orange juice and every which way. And then I started taking it in capsules. I started, like, I even bought a little machine that, you know, like, put it in the capsules for me, like a little machine that makes the capsules. I, started, I bought hmm. that. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to start taking it as capsules. I wouldn't have to taste it anymore. You were very committed and to I, that process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was just like, hey, you know, I don't have to buy energy drinks because I'm a, you know, I drink energy drinks. I don't, like I said, I don't drink coffee. So that's like my morning coffee. That's my morning routine. I have an energy drink in the morning. This guy in the world, but, you know, I can admit that. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think for me, I mean, it was only a month's time, but I kind of tapered down on my own and didn't realize it. Just I kept taking fewer and fewer capsules because I just felt like it just wasn't doing enough for me for me to continue taking it. And so I just thought, you know what, I'm just done. I'm not going to take this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I remember the like, next couple of days after that, I didn't feel a withdrawal, but I remember hearing from like the Kratom shops, they would talk about, you know, withdrawal. And I told them I had quit and they're like, Oh, how do you feel? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a little groggy, a little tired, but that's it. And you know, their eyes would light up like, <laughs> really? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, is there something is it supposed to be worse than this? Like I've gone through like, you know, heroin withdrawal and everything. So I'm thinking, you know, these guys don't know what it's like. They're, right. they're you know, making this out, this withdrawal to be like so severe. And I'm like, guys, come on, this is nothing. <laughs> so you so, had no problem, but yeah, I had yeah, no problem. Yeah, really. He but, had no problem. But Bianca continued taking it. And then Bianca continued. Yeah. Yeah. I, I continued to take it. And, you know, I, every time I would, you know, I get nervous when I, run out just like bugs you know i i'd have to have it and you know we moved away from columbus which is an hour away from where we are now at our new house and 
So it was like, we have to travel on the weekend, you know, a little over an hour away to go to the Kratom shop in Columbus <laughs> for me. <laughs> how, because I need to get half a kilo geez. Of, of Kratom. How, yeah. How, how much were you spending on Kratom like a, a week? Uh, um, gosh, probably. A week, she probably, I would say she's 40 probably, bucks. Yeah, 40 to $50 oh. a week. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. not it's not like it's not gonna financially ruin you to have a bad Kratom habit. Health wise is a different story, right? But I guess yeah. it's relatively cheap. Well <laughs> Yeah. I guess she had a good source. I mean, um yeah. yeah. It can get expensive depending on where you buy it, but but you just yeah. continued and and I'm sure you you heard that like Jeff knew pretty much exactly how much it was. Because you know, he's watching the money. Yeah. He's watching the yeah. but years and years go by. Right? I mean, uh-huh. how long uh-huh. were you living the life where you're chasing the... Living the Kratom living life. Living the Kratom life. I mean, <laughs> uh, like, close to eight years. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Close to eight years. And I will tell you, like, this past May, Jeff and I got married, and um, we went on our honeymoon to the Dominican. Right. We saw the picture. And, yeah, very nice. <laughs> and um, I really struggled with... I, I knew I had to take my Kratom with me, you know, I had to have it. And I was scared. I wasn't sure whether, you know, the Dominican, you know, it's banned. In, <laughs> bringing states bringing large countries. blocks of powder yeah. through customs is yeah. never a, exactly. <laughs> it's always a exactly. gut clenching moment, you know? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I was researching this for a good couple months and I wasn't getting very, you know, I wasn't getting any answers, but I decided just to, you know, cross my fingers and I'm like, I'm just going to put these in brand new bags. I'm going to label them. I'm going to put them in my bags, like to where they can see them, to where they're not, you You're know, smuggling. They, it doesn't look suspicious. You're a Kratom oh, yeah. smuggler. Clearly labeling the bag. <laughs> yes. It was hilarious watching her do it. She yeah. had the, you know, the black Sharpie out. She yeah, had it I'm like, in the original bag, but then she had like a piece of tape over <laughs> top of the bag that actually, you know, she would label it, you know, I think it's, you know, micro, you know, micro guy at Speciosia. It's perm, Just you know? making sure that they have to look this up and research it. They know exactly what this is. Right. <laughs> oh, so, man. I mean, I was prepared, but I was, I was honestly like, it was a little risky for me. And, and I was, I was ner- nervous flying with that. I've flown with Kratom before to back and forth to different places, but I know it's legal in those states and it's still nerve wracking because you are carrying this powder substance, mm. but you know, going to another country, I was, I was a nervous wreck. And once we got there and everything was okay, it was a, a huge relief mm. to me. And I'm like, Oh my God, like I didn't want to end up in like a, a third world prison. Yeah, like or a Turkish you prison, know? like midnight express. <laughs> you know? Oh my God. So, I mean, that was, that was a little risky for me. And like, it was then that I knew that like I had a problem and, and I was, you know, risking this stuff, like taking this stuff with me. I, I was addicted to it and, you know, that was this past May and, you know, you know, she had even told me recently that back when we were, planning our honeymoon when it got closer to our date of the honeymoon that she told me recently that she said that at that moment she was actually debating asking me to change where we were going. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And it was because of Kratom. 
Like yeah. she was just so worried in her head that she said that she was actually thinking about debating with me. Like, hey, maybe we shouldn't go out of the country. <laughs> maybe we yeah. should go to New Jersey. Maybe we should just go to yeah. Florida or something and just drive there, you know? <laughs> uh, so, you, so you were ready to quit. I mean, so you decide you've yeah. got a problem and you've quit. Uh, you've gotten sober in the past. So, uh-huh. I mean, like, how did you approach it? I mean, how did you say, you know, you say to Jeff, listen, I've got a problem. And he's thinking, uh-huh. yeah, no shit, you know. <laughs> um, well, what, what did you do? How did you get, in, how did you get into beginning um, see, to get from off of it? My perspective, I actually was able to see that the problem, you know, getting worse. Like when it actually started to become a problem. And I remember telling her, like, do you really feel like you need this this much? Because she was, you know, she's up to, you know, taking a dose of this stuff you know, four or five times a day. Then sometimes, you know, I would get onto her about it and say, you know, you don't need to take it this often. And she goes, all right. And then she'd get down to like two or three times a day. But I would, you know, notice that everywhere we would go, yeah. she would bring this like black insulated, you know, thermos <laughs> thing full of hot water mm. everywhere we uh-huh. would go. Like if, you know, we were going to visit, you know, the parents or whatever, you know, and she always had this thing with her and I knew what it was. It's like, Hey, why do you need Kratom this much? Yeah. Mm. And I remember even mentioning to her at this point, you know, like you sure you, this isn't becoming a problem, you know, and this, you're treating this almost like drugs. I remember telling her that and she just blew me off. Like, Oh, come on. It's, it's a leak. Come on, Jeff. It's, it's not, you're, you're acting like I'm taking heroin or something. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, just, you know, telling you what I see, you know, from <laughs> the outside. Cocaine's a leaf, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, pot's, pot's a leaf. leaf. And, uh, They're all, everything's made out of leaves. It's natural. Exactly. <laughs> it's legal leaf. It's totally yeah. legal. You can buy it, you know, yeah. in the smoke shop. It's legal yeah. in 22 states. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, and Jeff's right. I mean, I, I will... I mean, we would ride to work together. We worked in the same place in the same building. Um, we traveled to Columbus every morning and went to work and worked all day in Columbus. And I would take two thermoses with me. I would take one in the morning and I would drink the Kratom all the way to work. I would drink one on my break and I would drink one on the way home. Wow. And that's dedication. I, I mean, I've... Drank yeah. it that way. I, I I don't. I haven't recently, but early on, I was taking it in that same way. I would do uh, a scoop in my coffee, and um, uh-huh. it was very hard to get down. Like that's why I really stopped and went to the just the extract shots because, man. So the dedication it takes to drink <laughs> that much, you know, kratom yeah. powder is sounds amazing. absolutely disgusting. Did did yeah. you, were you were you getting? Were you getting you mix it up, high? It's literally as mud. Yeah, do you get high? Did you, you getting high? high off this stuff? I wasn't getting high, but I, I mean, I kind of was. I don't even know how to explain the feeling. I just, like, right before I went into work, you know, I was drinking the Kratom all the way into work. Jeff would drive. I'd be in the passenger seat, so I would just be, you know, drinking my Kratom all the way to work and... And I get out of my car, and I'm like, I'm ready to go. I'm going to have a great day. You know, I'm all talkative, and, you know, life feels good, Mm. and, you know, work doesn't suck so bad. Mm. I mean, it just, it was was crazy. And, like, and I did it, you know, every day, and I was 
you know, drinking it on my break. So I was drinking it on the way home from work. Yeah, it sounds um, like it really took over. But yeah, how in the world, like, I, I know you guys were telling me when you started to deal with the um, with withdrawals and everything, you were looking uh-huh. like crazy for some kind of support. You're looking for like a YouTube video, an article, something yeah. to help you. <laughs> and one of the reasons why you wanted to come on the show is because you're like, there's nothing out there. And, um, yes. and Bianca, for those of you who don't know, is like a really great writer. She loves writing. She's written <laughs> down her experience and, um, we're going to publish it just as soon as she's happy with whatever she writes. And we're going to put it on our website so people can read it. But what, take us through like the process of coming off of it and, and what that was like for you. Cause I know that was traumatizing, not just for you, but yeah. for Jeff to kind of mm-hmm. watch this happen as a recovered heroin yeah, maybe start with those last couple of days before yeah. you stop you know um yeah i um i had tried to stop about a month ago and um i i had run out and i thought you know this is it i'm done and you know a few hours went by and i started feeling withdrawal symptoms and i i was miserable and I told Jeff, I'm like, just run to go to the smoke shop here in town because they have, you know, and it's not good Kratom. I mean, it's not like it, it is in the Columbus shop, you know, it's just shit. But it <laughs> is Kratom. Gas station Kratom. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, he he got some for me and he came back and I looked at the price tag on the bag and it, it was, you know, two two ounces for $30 and like I wanted to throw up because like I, I felt so guilty because I'm like I can't believe you just spent $30 for me to feel normal yeah you know? I get it for about half I, that it's expensive yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And, and good stuff too and I took it and and you know 30 minutes later I was fine I was like 100% myself again and I was like man life is good mm. And I'm like, how the hell am I going to get off this stuff? You know, in the back of my head. So, like, the next week, I I had ordered some more Kratom online from a place that I like. And they were having a big blowout sale. So, I ordered some. And I did that all up, you know, over the next couple weeks. And then I started started running out. And it was was morning time. And I thought... I had my last dose of that and I thought, this is it, you know, I'm just, I'm done after this. Like I, I can't do this anymore. Wow. And, and you had the opiate style withdrawal symptoms. I mean, yes. like, how big, be- yes. uh, yeah. Describe that to us. Like, um, what was it like? Well, that night, that night I was up and I was on Facebook and I was kind of joking around to some of my friends on Facebook. It was like three thirty in the morning, and I'm like, I can't sleep. I had made a post on Facebook, like I can't sleep. I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't sleep. And then I set my phone down, and all of a sudden my legs started shaking and getting restless. And I thought, oh shit, like oh my god, like I'm going through withdrawals, you know. And and it was about 4.30 in the morning and I managed to fall asleep but about 5.30 in the morning I woke up and I was in extreme pain and absolutely miserable I mean I I was it was awful and for the next five days um I didn't sleep for five days wow 
Jeez. I I had major insomnia. I was pacing my house. I, I mean, I was a wreck. I mean, there were times that, I mean, mentally, I, I mean, I, I wanted to blow my brains out. Yeah. I, I, I would wake Jeff up at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, call 911. I can't do this anymore. My heart's beating out of my chest. Mm. Like, I was getting in the bathtub, like, every 30 minutes just to, like, calm myself down. Um, I felt, like, so much anxiety, and uh, I felt like my eyeballs were popping out of my head. I wanted to... There was a point that I was in my bedroom, and I was... I, I, I couldn't lay down because my legs were so restless. My body was so restless. So I was standing with a blanket around me in my bedroom and the dresser, I laid my head down on the dresser and I thought in the back of my head, I just want to bang my head as hard as I can just to split my fucking head open. I could not, I mean, it was, I mean, I was definitely, I had suicidal tendencies for sure. Uh, It sounds just like opiate withdrawal. I mean, I had everything you just described. It sounds extreme to probably to a lot of people, but I can tell you, and probably Jeff can too, that that is exactly, or even worse, but that was, that reminds me of what I was feeling when I was coming off of Suboxone, let's say, or heroin. You really just want to bang your head against the wall. Yeah, That's exactly what yeah. I saw from my perspective. Um, just bizarre. watching her go through this, and she'd wake me up in the middle of the night, and the way I mean, she I'm was having those cold sweats, and she's talking about how much you know her legs were cramping up. She was throwing up. She was having yeah, diarrhea. Up, at the diarrhea. Same time. Yeah, I, I didn't eat for four know, days. Yeah, couldn't eat or anything. And I'm sitting here watching it, going, "Oh my god!" Like I'm literally watching myself. I'm watching what I went through with my withdrawals when I got clean. You know, this is exactly, and I kept, I remember I kept lying to her because she was just freaking out, you know, and I understood, but I didn't want to tell her, Hey, this might be a seven day process. So I kept telling her like, it won't be (laughs) one, three days. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She kept saying one more day. I couldn't, I, I was like, I can't do it. Like you need to call 911. Yeah, she was just freaking out the entire time. So, you know, it was like every, it took everything in me to like, and look, I have to lie to her about this. Otherwise she's going to like get really suicidal or, or, you know, I know how I felt. I remember, you know, feeling that way, you know, going through, you know, kicking heroin, like, yeah, I remember you know saying to myself, "It's a good thing there's not a gun in my house. I don't know, I'll make it all yeah, the way through." Yeah. I remember thinking stuff like that. You know, just yeah, it's that painful. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was thinking all those things, and I mean, I was feeling so out of control in my own head. Like I felt like I was going insane. Wow. And I mean, I it it was so scary. It was so scary, and I'm still really traumatized by what I went through even a couple of weeks ago. Wow. Um, I'm having, I'm having a really hard time. I went to see my doctor yesterday and, um, they're, they're watching me and doing my blood work and stuff and getting things back to normal again. Um, wow. Uh, <sighs> with my medications and my antidepressants and all that stuff. But, um, we, I, I'm, I'm struggling at night because, I get nervous when it's nighttime. Mm. It's almost like a PTSD type yeah. thing. Wow. Like she, um, when man. she's about to go to sleep, she's scared yeah, that she won't I, be able to sleep. Yeah, I'm scared I won't be able to sleep, and I have a hard time, and I'm tossing and turning, and I get really nervous and yeah. really anxious um, because of all this. And um, it's, it's been really traumatic. 
So is there no, any sort I, of um, a medical detox available for, for Kratom use? I mean, I would imagine it's probably similar yeah. to like an opiate medical detox, right? I mean, yeah. they give you any like... They don't seem to know what they're doing with Kratom, right? That was one of the things I, you told I me. Yeah. They don't know yeah. what Kratom I, is or how to treat it. Yeah. If you Google Kratom withdrawal, or go on YouTube, the first things that come up, like the first three responses that you get when you when you Google it are treatment centers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if you need help, call yeah, us yeah. now. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. We can help you with your Kratom withdrawal. I'm like, yes. oh, wow. Do you have insurance? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But the scary thing was, you know, I on day five, I couldn't take it anymore. We went to the, the emergency room and um, no one knew what Kratom was. Mm. None of the doctors, none of the nurses. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, for fuck's sake, like, how are they going to? They're going to help me. Like, how do they not know what this is? Yeah, like, considering, you, considering you can buy it at every, almost every gas station, you know, in, in a state where it's legal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's surprising that there's not more knowledge out there by medical professionals. It's, yeah. And exactly. I think part of it exactly. is that a lot, most people, I don't think, have these kinds of, this kind of experience. I think that's part of it because this can happen. And I think that's part of what we're we're trying to do here is to get, you know, cause I feel like, you know, this made me look back on the things I've said on this show and I'm pretty <laughs> flippant, uh, about the Kratom use just because it's something that I'm doing, but I thought, uh-huh. you know, Hey, look back on it and go, you know what, maybe I should, you know, be a little more careful the way I speak about it. Um, because this is possible and yeah, like you were taking a lot, but it doesn't take much for somebody, especially in recovery to kind of get into that. You know, I've been careful to guard against it, but that doesn't mean I'm immune from it at all. And, um, I think it's important, you know, this is important that we talk about it and I'm so glad that you're doing better, but, um, (laughs) are you feeling better? I mean, do you, do you feel like you're in a positive trajectory or like, where are you Um, at with withdrawals? Well, you know, I'm still, I'm still struggling, um, mentally. Um, I, I, I've really been in this, uh, I'm getting out of it, but I've, I've been struggling with some depression and, um, which is, you know, expected, but, um, I've been really weak. My muscles are still really, really tired. I, I feel kind of exhausted. Um, but, um, I'm getting better day by day. Um, I'm just taking it, you know, one day at a time. And, um, you know, I had to tell my family about this and I was pretty That must have been hard, you know, like to oh, explain to them. They're like, wait, I thought you were in recovery. And then you have yeah. to be like, well, yes, but <laughs> it's a more complicated. Uh, and then to try and explain this. Wow. Exactly. And my mom is a huge advocate. I mean, she's gone to the White House, you know, with, with my story. I've been on the, the local news. My story has been on the local news. No kidding. We should have uh, you on the show. Huh. Oh, wait. <laughs> I didn't know. You can do that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I have, you know, I, uh, my mom's a huge advocate. She does a lot for drug addicts. Oh, and, wow. Um, so that's and so true. my mom, yeah. I had to call my mom 
when I was in the ER on day five, um, coming off this stuff, she thought that I was just sick with the flu because that's what I had told her mm. previously. And I told her I was going through withdrawals and, you know, she just felt, you know, I mean, Jeff had to take the phone. Yeah, she, was she was in tears. Bawling wow. her eyes out, wondering what the hell was going on with her daughter. Well, don't and, worry, mom. It's know, just Kratom. It's just Kratom. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. So it was, it was, um, it, I, I, I hated to like disappoint her. And I know that I didn't really disappoint her because. Yeah. And you know, that's not she how she's thinking, but, you know, moms are great at supporting no. and all of that. But I, yeah. I wanted to, before we, we said goodbye, I wanted to see if there was like a final thing, because I know you wanted to maybe say something about, you know, a conclusion or say something to the monsters out there um, about your experience. And, you know, mm-hmm. like what are how about some final words on the uh, on your experience? Well, you know, I um, I had written um, this big, long thing that, you know, I think Jeff's going to send you. But um I, I really don't have, you know, I don't want to be like totally against Kratom. I know it's very controversial and, um, I know like the FDA is kind of after Kratom and, you know, it's getting banned certain places. And, um, I know that it does have some benefits to it, but, you know, in my experience, it just, you know, it just. It, it, it screwed me up, and um, I used to be an advocate for Kratom. Right. I used to sign, you know, petitions for Kratom, and I just, I, it makes me sick to my stomach yeah. anymore. And, you know, I still get these emails coming through every day, you know, from the American Kratom Association. And I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, you know, what the? Yeah, they don't want you to write your I, experience. I used to live, you know? <laughs> you know? Very, yeah. Wow. So, wow. I mean, that's my, that's, you know, that's my story and my experience. And, and I, I know that from the research that I've done and I've, the videos that I've seen on YouTube and stuff, like, I know that, um, I, I did quit cold turkey and, you know, people do say you need to kind of taper off of this stuff. Mm. You know, you know, have a plan to get off of it. And, 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 and in my mind, I'm thinking if they're saying this is not addictive, then why do you have to keep her off of this stuff? You know, mm-hmm. you know, if this is, if this is something not, you, you don't need to worry about, you know, like that, that kind of scares me, but I'm not saying that I'm totally against freedom i mean it might work for people i've been on it for so long and it's been very hard for me to find information on people that have been on it as long as i have and have tried to get off right the long-term studies um, bianca is the long-term study and it's not looking so good (laughs) right now oh man but i am i am so i'm here speaking about it but yeah thank thank you so much guys for coming on um you're welcome we really appreciate it it's great great to sort of meet you on the show and um jeff great to hear from you 
Um, yeah, good to hear from you guys. It's kind of I'm so glad that you got to, we got to actually talk to you. We were just saying like, where the hell is Jeff? And you actually made a post <laughs> on uh, on the private group that you'll have to sign in there to see it. So um, I hope you guys don't mind if we check in with you in another month or two and see how you're doing, Bianca. And, and no, you know, that's yeah, sure that, great. I, I think I think this this story is going to help a lot of people. Um, because I think we really hope so. I think people tend to approach this stuff with the, kind of a cavalier attitude. But I, for me, the takeaway uh-huh. is if you have had any issues with with opiates or or um, any kind of cross addiction, you know, be careful. Be careful. Be careful respect. Respect, exactly. you know? Maybe that's part Absolutely. of what we're trying to say here is just respect that it, it's it's a powerful. It's a powerful drug, um, and it can exactly. really do a number on you. So just respect it and be careful. All right. Well, with All that, right. we're going to do the rest of the show before it gets too late. And um, Okay. Because <laughs> we're not used to doing this late. But, yeah, definitely. And all the monsters out there, go say hello to Jeff on the private group. Maybe Bianca will join, too. And um, yep. we will see you on the web, as they say. But thanks, all right. All right. thanks again. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. So long. <laughs> Bye. All right. Goodbye. Bye. All right. Oh, man, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. Eight years of shoving that powder in your face every day. I can't even imagine. And the thing is, like, it's like you get to the point where, like, like with any other drug, there's so much process involved, right? You're, you're, yeah. you're preparing your thermoses of hot water. You're bringing your stuff. It's like... It has you know, all the, the hallmarks it of... looks to me like a, like a regular old addiction, you, you know? know? So <laughs> now I'm feeling like shit about me using it. And in fact, when I fi- first spoke to the both of them last week i'm listening to her story and i'm just feeling like an asshole because i've been like ah kratom's great you're sipping a tall glass of kratom while you're talking to them (laughs) so (laughs) for all of you out there listening yes i am rethinking um taking kratom uh even though i'm not really even close to taking that much i still worry because I'm also, you know, I w- I'm in, I have it, the disease of addiction, I would say. And um, I need to be super careful with it. All you monsters out there, definitely be careful with it if you're on it. Um, do, you, do you ever, like, take more than one spoonful? Like, if your day is like, I really need extra power this morning, mm-hmm. let me take two s- scoops of Kratom. I don't or do whatever. that. But Extracts. What, I, what I do do, do do, is sometimes when I get home, oh. I'll take another one. little... Afternoon, evening yeah. scoop of Kratom. Just to be like, because I want to, you know. Yeah. So I am using it in the same way I would use coffee. Like I'll have it. So, but, right. um, you know, there's a potential there. Uh, sure. Of some bad shit. And I don't ever want to go through opiate withdrawal it sounds again. It sounds absolutely um, horrible. And I totally, you know, I've heard like my friend Bill, who is also uses Kratom, he reported the same kinds of problems and he was using it at that level. Yeah. But he was afraid to travel to different states because he couldn't bring See, his Kratom. Man, when you get to that level, it's like... Yeah, I mean, like you, I went to Mexico it. and I, I had a couple of shots with me for the plane. You didn't and bring your good. Kratom in a bag and label it with its Latin <laughs> name? <laughs> but like still, I mean, that's... I still thought about it. Do you know right. what I mean? Like maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I still brought a little bit. I don't know. You did? It's, yeah. I brought a couple of, brought some shots with me because I just, I packed it, but I right. wasn't, I don't know. So I'm like, I don't know. Maybe what we'll do on the show is I will stop taking Kratom completely and then tell you if I get withdrawal symptoms, I'll torture myself for the content for the show. Uh-uh. See, I was it? thinking of taking Kratom for the show, That's but it. now I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I was like, cause you know, everything hurts and I hear it's good for that, but 
Well, that was really cool. I was really happy to have Jeff and Bianca. Hopefully, Bianca is going to start participating in the Monster Playground. Uh, the <laughs> is, that, is that what we're calling it? Yeah, I just came up with that. Okay. Um, well, we're getting a little long in the tooth, my friend. Yes. Well, one of us is. Oh. So from uh, weird proto-opioids that can be abused by drinking them, we shift quickly to the uh, age-old poison that can be consumed by drinking it, alcohol. Good old alcohol. Uh, Someone sent me an article um, from the Wall Street Journal this week, which usually is not so much of a hotbed on the latest in addiction news and and research, but uh, in their health and wellness section, apparently they have one. uh, Anne Turgeson wrote an article this week called A Sober Curious Movement Builds Online Targeting Gray Area Drinking. Um, this is a subject that's near and dear to my heart since, you know, uh, gray area drinking is an area in which I've excelled over the last few years. Gray area. Gray area drinking. So not not hiding the handle of scotch in the closet, but perhaps drinking every day mm. and drinking on the weekends and drinking more than you want to drink and having it cause problems in your life, that right. sort of thing. Yep. Um, so I guess during the lockdown, millions of Americans mark the end of the day with cocktails. Now, as daily routines resume, some are trying online alcohol recovery programs to curb drinking or quit entirely. So-called sober curious or gray area drinkers. I do not believe those two things are synonymous, frankly. Mm, but they're not mutually exclusive either. No, they're not. Um, they sus- pe- these are people they suspect they drink too much, but mm. say the term alcoholic does not accurately describe them. I would argue it does not accurately describe anyone, but that's, that's neither another there. Um, <laughs> a host of for-profit programs, many founded by authors of popular books about sobriety and pitched to gray area drinkers, has sprung up to offer support and strategies for giving up alcohol, whether temporarily or for good. And some of our friends show up there. Uh, Annie Grace is the one that they take a look at in the article and highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem a little bit obsessed, I guess it's the Wall Street Journal, with the idea that that people are charging for this help. Like Annie Grace, I mean, the alcohol experiment is free. The book is the cost of the book. But if you want to get into, um, you know, more personal counseling, there's a charge for that. And, and I, I get this sense from this article that almost as though they feel as if everything should be free. Well, that, that's, which, you know, a misunderstanding that people in recovery have because they're thinking in my AA group, my sponsor would never charge me. But when you're dealing with services and like, you know, you can charge, like, you go to a psychiatrist, it costs money. You see an actual therapist, yes. it costs money. Because how much did you spend on booze? It's a, you know, <laughs> right, it's right. a capitalist society. This is how people pay their bills. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't begrudge anyone for making a living, especially if you can make a living and help people. Why the hell not? This isn't AA. This is life here, guys. Right. Uh, and, and it's unfortunate they sort of characterize that. And then the other quote they had from Annie Grace is, like, something that... Um, she says that it's, that they took completely out of context. Uh, she said something like, um, wait, let me find it. Uh, uh, some people can choose moderation, says Annie Grace, which have you ever gotten that vibe from Annie Grace? From <laughs> no, I never have. She doesn't um, say that. Founder she- of This Naked Mind LLC, um, Ms. Grace cautions that 
the effort needed to regulate what, when, and where to drink can lead to mental fatigue that makes it hard to stick to limits. I think that's a bit of a mischaracterization of this naked mind, which... She's all about how alcohol as a drug is an addictive substance. Yes. And any amount that you can drink may lead to addiction. Yes. I don't think she really talks about choosing well, anything, right? I think what she does to be a little more palatable to people who are considering their drinking is that she kind of lures you in with the idea that, you know, you can... You can you know, when you're done with this naked mind, you will drink as much as you want when you want. But you of course, won't. that amount is zero and you won't want to drink anymore, right? Which is so, the way it works. Yeah. And anyone who doesn't know the, this naked mind, that is what it did for me. Yes, um, and, and, and me. So, um, good statistics. I mean, 280,000 people have completed the alcohol experiment, which is like her 30-day thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we should do that. But we don't drink, so, yeah, so we would do it no problem. Right. Well, one, one would hope. Maybe we can get Sergeant Slaughter to try it. Yeah. And follow. I've been trying to get him to do that for a while. And if you listen to me, Sergeant Slaughter, I think it would be awesome. You know, you try and stop drinking, do one of these experiments, and we'll check in with you every yeah. week. It'd be great. See how that's going. Right. See if we'll go for it. Put anyway, it was a good article because, uh, you know, it highlighted the fact that, you know, Post-pandemic, you're, there's a lot of people that kind of went sideways and now are starting to question their relationship with alcohol and whatever other substances they've been amusing themselves with over the last two years. So, And that is Recovery in the News this week. Okay. <laughs> We're running out of time. We are running out of time, but it's it is time for... Long. It's another spooky season edition of This Week in... Weird. Let me just say before you get started that we have gotten many, so many positive responses to the week and weird. Nobody wants the week and weird to go away. And I can tell that makes you very happy. Do you know who really sealed the deal? The fact that Scott Wick. Yes. Or Scott W. That's that's actually still a nickname. It's not his actual last name. Um, He was very specific and that we should keep this week and weird. And it just, I said, when he says it, it's it. We're, yes. it week and weird is weird forever. We're Sh- doing it. Shout out to Scott for saving the week and weird. Yes. And um, <laughs> I think he requested one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did. He requested a shout. So there you go, Scott. And um, yeah, we're just going to make the show longer and longer and longer and longer. <laughs> so there's nothing left. This week and weird. Cold Case Team believes they have identified the infamous Zodiac Killer. This is major news. This was even on like MSNBC. It was on News 12. Uh, wow. But also, Tim Benal had to chime in. And so what does Tim Benal say? An independent group of investigators believes that they have determined the identity of the infamous Zodiac Killer. One of the more iconic cases in true crime lore, the unnerving serial killer tormented the San Francisco area during the late 60s by way of a series of sinister slayings and cryptic letters sent to the media. The subject of numerous books, countless television programs, and even a Hollywood film, The Zodiac Killer's Identity has remained a mystery. There's a Jake Gyllenhaal movie about this that's really, really good. I saw it. It's Um, good. A couple of good podcasts, too. But now... A team of former law enforcement investigators is confident that they have finally unmasked the madman. According to a press release, the organization known as the Case Breakers has, quote, recovered new physical and forensic evidence, which they say indicates uh, that the Zodiac Killer was a man by the name of, are you ready? Yes. Here he is, Gary Francis Post, Mm. who passed away in 2018, sadly, so we can't punish him. Uh, One particular clue which one member of the team called irrefutable is that their suspect 
sported a unique scar on his forehead that just so happens to match what four eyewitnesses reported in their observations of the killer. Additionally, the group has also secured decades of pictures from Post's former dark room. Uh, for those of you who are not middle-aged, the dark room is where we used to develop photographs <laughs> um, that they believe strengthens their case, including an eerie 1980 selfie that appears to show the shadow of a person wearing the unsettling Zodiac hood that the killer donned during one of his murders. Um, beyond that evidence, the case breakers have connected with an individual described as an outlaw-turned-Zodiac whistleblower who says that he personally witnessed Post burying the murder weapons mm. used in the killings and has provided the group with the location of what could be blockbuster evidence. That seems somewhat dispositive. Um, well, um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's a big, long article, but uh, this has been a part of like our collective consciousness, this Zodiac killings. It was a very traumatizing national you know, murder case. People were afraid of this. There's been a bazillion, or more technically, a Brazilian, uh, a Brazilian different uh, books, movies, fictionalizations, documentaries. It's infinitely interesting, this, you know, mystery. But, you know, if this could crack the case, I think um, it's big news. Yeah. Weird news. Yeah. Thank you, Tim Banal. Thanks, Tim. Tim and I should get, um, we should send him a t-shirt. Dude, I, I was listening to Coast to Coast AM uh, last night, and on this episode, they brought in Tim Benal to comment on some of his articles. Really? And it was like, oh my God, it's Tim Benal. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like hearing a celebrity, you know? Wow. Uh, I bet you we could get him on the show, so something to think about. We that should get about, him to read a Week in Weird one week. That would be amazing, yes. or to deliver it in yes. person. Uh-huh. That about does it for today. Uh, I know I had a great time, did you? It was different. Different. I'll tell you that. Well, thanks so thanks much to our guests. <laughs> thanks uh, for listening. Thank you to Jeff and Bianca. Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and Twitter. So tweet us at twat you twit. Support your favorite show. Drop a five-star review. Join our private Facebook group. Buy a t-shirt, please. Or simply write and say, hello, we love meeting new monsters and chopping it up on the Facebook group. And finally... The best way to help the show is to share it with a friend. If you get something out of our little show, please share the love and help grow the RMA movement. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. Progress, not perfection. See you next time. Be good, kids. Be good.